Hi, welcome to another episode. I'm your host, Brian Maddox. With me today is Gina Gregark, uh, independent marketing consultant. Welcome, Gina. Hey, Brian. It's, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on today. So um, love to hear a little bit more about your experience and kind of where you came from and where you're headed. Uh, that'll give our listeners some context as we get started here. Yeah, of course. So for me, just coming out of school for marketing, uh, I started my career in sort of the PR and event space. So very specialized. But uh, very quickly, I made my way over to my first B2B SaaS organization, and I joined there as the only dedicated marketer. So it was a really exciting time. I was able to come in and essentially become more well-rounded as a marketer. And I got to practice you know, many different facets of marketing and focus on strategy, which, which was really exciting for my career early on. Uh, so all the while, I've had a very entrepreneurial spirit. So I did go and get my MBA specializing in entrepreneurship, which is really where the concept of startups piqued my interest. And so it would be almost five and a half years ago now, I joined a company called Idelic, which is a B2B SaaS safety software company that's in the trucking industry. So I joined Idelic as the third employee and the very first marketer. So very, very early days. <laughs> I, uh, I led the marketing efforts there from just prior to a seed fundraising round all the way through till after their Series B. And so that was obviously a very exciting and challenging role for me for the past five and a half years. And uh, very, very recently, uh, I took the leap and I started my consulting business. So I'm here, you know, working with founders and owners at early stage startups and their teams in the B2B space, really to build out their marketing and growth programs and strategies. So that's me. So, <laughs> the, <laughs> so I want to talk briefly about the, the, the software, particularly the SaaS stuff. Um, that, that qualifies, or it sounds like it qualifies as hard to market, which is the name of the show. So can you tell me a little bit more about what made that challenging? Uh, it sounds like you were breaking new ground in a lot of ways in that role. Yeah, of course. So it's, you know, what's the funny thing is when you first hear trucking industry, you, a lot of people think it's going to be sort of antiquated. They're not going to be as, as up to speed on tech, but it really is fascinating because Safety technology is huge. In fact, it's quite crowded in the trucking industry. So some quick background on what exactly the software did was, um, you know, any tractor trailer you drive past on, on the road or highway, they're equipped with dozens of systems tracking safety data, you know, saying if someone's speeding or taking a turn too harshly, looking at their cell phone while they're driving. And so what Idelic was able to come into the space and do is essentially work and partner with all of those different companies to integrate that data together, use machine learning to analyze it, and then predict who is most at risk in, in one of the most accurate ways that you really can. And so where you'd think it would be hard to market because of trucking, that was actually, you know, safety was a huge, is a huge thing in that space, right? And so the thing that really made it hard to market, I would say, is, is twofold. The first being is that because it's such a diluted space, there's so many tech companies and they're all in the safety space. Everyone is saying they're reducing accidents, lowering liability, right? And so 
a lot of our partners that we're, you know, we're even partnering with, we're saying the exact same value propositions. And so trying to differentiate from those systems. And at the same time, uh, when I first came on again, early days, they were quite the blue ocean at Idelic. So there really wasn't anyone doing exactly what they were doing. And so we were challenged with creating a category. So you're not only marketing the company and what they do in their product, but we're also challenged with marketing this category and raising awareness around, you know, what our software actually was. Everyone knows they need telematics or cameras, but no one really knew what we were doing. And so I would say that was what made it quote unquote hard to market for sure. So when, uh, who is the actual target market buyer for that, uh, that service? Yeah, so that's a great question. Depending on the size of company, right? So you have trucking companies that have, you know, one or two drivers all the way up to 20,000 drivers. So for the most part, if we're talking mid-market, you're looking at leadership in terms of risk, safety, operations. But again, depending on size, if it's a smaller company, you might be looking at owners and CEOs or, um, you know, financial leaders in some cases. Every Every company kind of has their own structure, which was another challenge for sure. But, um, you know, most often you're looking at sort of VPs of safety risk operations. So what was the strategy you guys were employing to get in front of those folks, particularly in a kind of a B2B SaaS environment? That's always a little bit stickier to deal with, right? How did you get in front of these folks? Yeah. So one, you know, there were many many different you know strategies we did that here there worked but one of the most successful things that we did was employ essentially a, a really strong content marketing strategy and i i hate to use i really hate to use the word but you know becoming a thought leader in the industry uh, a lot of people in the space had a lot of questions when it came to safety um and so and, and we were really fortunate there. There was a lot of associations that had, you know, conferences, events where they were educating. And, and that kind of continued education was really important to a lot of our ICPs. So there was there was prime opportunity to get in front of them. And so that's where we were able to start to leverage content and our own kind of education and becoming the experts in the industry for safety. And, and that was really a great way to get in front of them and start to not only educate them on who we were, because again, when I started, we were you know very, very young. And so it was a big goal to create a lot of brand awareness around our company and, and raise awareness to who we were, but also this category we were creating. So we had to essentially teach the industry that they needed us and then place ourselves there. <laughs> so you started some of the early activity there was essentially leveraging the other conferences in the space and mm -hmm. working on top of funnel kind of approaches to help people that were already meeting in that uh, sort of transit space or the, the transportation industry. Is, is that what I'm hearing? Like you were, you were creating those kind of that knowledge and education at those events. Is that how it started? And that was just one channel. So a part of our strategy was also to essentially take our founder and make him an influencer in the space. And so, yeah, a big part of that was building relationships with the different associations to, you know, get him on stage, on webinars, on, you know, on all these different platforms. Uh, my goal early on was to say anywhere someone looked for information, how do we get our logo there? How do we get our input? 
And it, it absolutely is important to eventually pepper in marketing into that. But again, that, that top of funnel, it was really important to make sure that we were educating the industry on safety and putting ourselves in a place where, where we became a trusted source of knowledge. When people had questions, we wanted them to think, oh, idyllic and come to our website. And so that was really a, a big goal early on in order to get in front of there and also take advantage sort of of like the dark funnel. We wanted people sharing our content with each other and across teams. And so that again was a really, you know, really big value of focusing on creating high quality content. So apart from the standard metrics, right? Like, you know, web traffic or something like that. Um, how did you know that your strategy was working? Like what, what sort of, what indicators did you have? I mean, I, I know you're going to look at like revenue and conversions and stuff like that, but there mm-hmm. had to be some kind of like a, a vibe there along the way where you're like, yeah, this is the way we're, this is the way it's going to go. So, you know, I always say revenue is number one. That's always the thing I'm, I'm looking at, right. And, and pipeline and kind of working your way back demos, but you know, a, a big part of tracking the metrics was working hand in hand with the sales team very closely. Um, you know, we, we talk about, you know, how do you sort of attribute an attribution and, and how are people doing this? And there's first touch and last touch. And, and we went through a few phases throughout my time there of, of how we wanted to track attribution because it, it gets tough, right? There's, there's multiple touch points that you're hitting your consumers with, right? And, and you never really quite know exactly what, what tipped the, the lever. So eventually we kind of formulated a, a tipping point where it would be you know, subjective on the sales development rep to essentially say what got them over the finish line. And that was one of the best ways to, to attribute there because someone may have downloaded an ebook that the development rep sent, right? But at the end of the day, it could have come, they they came off of a webinar and that's really where the conversation started and that's where it was more powerful. So that was kind of focusing on that tipping point and really what was the true driver of the conversation um, was one of the biggest kind of metrics we were looking at. And, and you hate to say it, no, no leadership wants to hear it, but when it comes to brand awareness even, there are just some activities you're going to do that you are, there's not going to be the numbers behind it. There are things, campaigns you're going to run or particularly like sponsorships where you're not going to be able to attribute every piece of pipeline, but you kind of know, and you sort of have to follow your gut there and say like, and say, okay, this influenced a lot of deals. You can say, Hey, there were a lot of deals in the room at the time. Can you measure exactly how they were influenced? Maybe, maybe not. But um, yeah, I would say, working closely with the sales team to really understand where those were coming from was, was crucial. Was there a point in that process, particularly during the launch where your information sort of approach, you were able to see that it went from a push to a pull? You know what, in that specific industry, it was it was really hard to get a lot of hand raisers in the room, and you know even talking with other tech companies, um, you know it, it was a struggle to see see a lot of those hand raisers coming in the door. And so we tried to make even though it was a push, I would say it was one of the we we're kind of greasing the wheels for it though. Um, we would get a lot of 
a lot of interest in the educational content that we're putting out. And so then the goal was how, how can we nurture them as best we can so that when a development rep reaches out, they do have that, that good solid conversation. Now, now we still saw, you know, a good bit of inbound, but nothing that I would say was kind of its own machine. It was always the, the best channel always had been an outbound approach. And so our concern was always, how do we make sure we're greasing the wheels for this conversation to make sure they really know who we are and what we do? Um, another tactic that I employed was essentially using a lead score to help them know who to reach out to at any given time. So different activities or engagements that a lead might go through, that score would then rack up. And then they would be able to reach out to someone with confidence, knowing they know who we are. They have a pretty good idea of what we do. They've visited some really important pages on our site. And so then they could have a more valuable conversation and spend time focusing on what I would call a hot lead versus like a cooler lead. Right. So you've got, you had a pretty robust data collection sort of mechanism for that. What were you guys using and how did your marketing plug into your CRM? Yeah. So for the most part, um, our CRM, we were using Salesforce and then uh, HubSpot was was really big for us. So using HubSpot, we were able to essentially track a lot of different things from kind of key page visits to like form fills. Uh, that's where we did all of our automation and email marketing through was HubSpot. Uh, and then that would all plug right back into Salesforce where the sales team would be able to look at it in a way that that they could understand it and it wasn't sort of overcrowding them with too many alerts. So uh, Salesforce was sort of the, the record of truth, but HubSpot was where marketing yeah. did a lot of our tracking. So how, how many salespeople were you feeding which, you know, when, you, uh, when you left? Um, so from the sales development rep team, I was about, I think, six or seven reps at the time. Mm. And so again, it's, it's a relationship that you really have to nurture. So at one point in time, I was actually managing the sales development team. And it's funny because when you talk with most marketers, they're going to tell you that the relationship between sales and marketing just always seems to have some type of tension. And so... <laughs> <laughs> to put it lightly, right? Um, and so a, a goal of mine really, and even as we were going was to, to make sure that when you're running a marketing team, you really have a strong relationship with specifically the SDRs as well as the account executives too, but really making sure you have a, a tight knit relationship. And, and something I've always said to the team when I manage them, and I still kind of push that message today to marketers that I talk to is that you never want to look at your pipeline or, in, or your, you know, leads as, marketing or sales. You don't want to say this is inbound versus outbound. Really how I like to look at it is 100% of the pie is marketing. It just is. They Even if they aren't inbound, they were influenced by marketing in some way, shape or form. And at the same time, 100% of that pie is sales. Even if someone raises their hand, you still have a rep who has to follow up with them quickly and they have to have a good, strong conversation. They have to have a good, you know, discovery call. So every deal I try to say, you know, it's not marketing or sales, it's us together. And by instilling that sort of like paradigm shift for marketing versus sales, all of a sudden you get a lot more clarity into where leads are coming from. People aren't just kind of marking, well, I called them, so it's outbound. I called them, so it's outbound. No, they're more, they're more open to give you honest, 
feedback on where these leads came from. I mean, I'd even sometimes say, Hey, listen, like I need to know if it came from this trade show. Cause if you really liked going to that trade show and it made you a lot of money, we're not going to go again next year if we didn't get anything out of it. So it's sort of like, I use this data not to say you did this or we did this. I use this data to say, what are we doing next year? What are we doing next quarter? And that, that really opens the lines of communication from sales to marketing. Awesome. And it sounds (laughs) like you're really into that kind of uh, foundry startup space because you, since you've gone independent, you've been working mostly with newer companies. Is that right? Yeah, that's the that's the goal right now is to work primarily with with founders and owners, early stage, early stage companies and things like that. I mean, even uh, for me, like I'm very open to different types of relationships. So is it a one one time or a few time strategy call? Right. Or like really just to, to pick my brain and get some marketing ideas from someone who's been there. Is it a, a project you have a go to market or launch that you need marketing advice on or or do we want like an ongoing, more kind of like fractional re- leadership relationship? So I'm very open, but yeah, I I definitely would say it's my bread and butter that sort of early stage space, um, sort of under 50 million is my sweet spot, I would say. Yeah. So who should reach out Who sh- and how can they get a hold of you? Oh, that's a great question. So again, uh, founders and owners, but also VPs of sales and marketing, if you want, are looking for fresh eyes on the con on your content. Um, I, you know, offer totally free introductory call. Let's just talk and see if it's a good fit for you. And you can find me at ginagregorick.com. If you can't spell it, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be written in the description of this podcast. Yep, so absolutely. <laughs> it'll be in the show notes right down there. Perfect. If right now, just take a look down there. Uh, Gina you're on YouTube, and if you're on audio, well, you're going to have to go look in your favorite podcasting app. Um, so uh, I guess last question as we wrap up here, um, in your, your sort of varied marketing journey, um, what are the three biggest lessons you picked up along the way that you would have told your younger self? Oh, those are great. That's a great question. Uh, so the very first thing I would say is to really learn your industry and your target market, especially if you want a good content strategy that's going to drive revenue. Uh, When you're putting out a webinar, the number one mistake I think I see a lot of people make is they'll, they'll put, you know, how to use our product to achieve X, Y, Z. And, you know, as much as we as marketers want to think that everyone cares about what we're doing and wants to see what we're doing, uh, at the end of the day, a lot of them don't, right? So if you're putting out something that's about your product, you're going to get customers, which if that's your goal, that's great. And you're going to get maybe some bottom of funnel folks who are in a consideration stage. But if you're really focused on creating new pipeline revenue, you need to make sure that you understand your market enough and you're enough of an expert in your space of it that you can deliver something that's so thoughtful and, and really is educating them on something that they, they didn't otherwise know. So that's kind of number one. <laughs> Number two, uh, being from a startup, I have to say, you have to, have to, have to collect the data. It's so important to make sure you're understanding where these leads are coming from. You're understanding the success of your campaigns. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, 
you have to trust your gut sometimes. There's going to be those campaigns that don't have the numbers behind them. There's going to be those things you do that, that you know, you might hear a lot of word of mouth afterwards, a lot of people talking about you, but there's no way to really capture that. And so even though you're not generating these crazy numbers, use your gut sometimes and take a leap and do something bold and make a statement, even if it's not going to, you know, help drive a certain metric, because at the end of the day, you can influence pipeline a lot by doing that. Uh, and then last but not least, um, <laughs> this, this might be controversial to say, but I'm going to say, don't get hung up on the vanity metrics. There are a lot of people marketing teams out there that, you know, are so excited about impressions and followers and things like that, which they are important. There's a reason why a lot of companies collect that data, right? When you're a larger company and you have the resources and the bandwidth to optimize every single channel for, for every single thing, absolutely do it. But at the end of the day, if you find yourself in a startup and you find yourself, you know, grinding to to just drive revenue make that your key priority and if something isn't directly impacting it then then change change gears and focus on that and yeah you might not have these beautiful numbers to present for the quarter of all the followers and all the impressions we increased and all of the views and the clicks but at the end of the day if you sacrifice those numbers sometimes to work hand in hand with sales on account based marketing or help get some deals over the finish line before quarter close at the end of the day you're keeping your business running and that's the most important thing it might not make your department look great but it's it's going to be the most value to your company so always remember that revenue is king and your company's goals need to be your goals as well so that's those are my three pieces. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Gina, for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time. Ryan, it's been great. I love talking shop. It was, it was a great time. Today. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of The Consulting Trap. If you have suggestions for future episodes or would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at brian at podcastchef.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at P-O-D-C-I-S-T-C-H-E-F dot com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef. Podcast Chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue-generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our podcasting done for you service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your business to the next level. Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet. Or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, we will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. <laughs> 
Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks.